Welcome to Scandal Water, where the tea is hot and the conversation lively. Your hosts, Candy and Ashley, will discuss a peculiar story somehow related to the entertainment industry. This podcast might not change the world, but it just might satisfy your thirst for an intriguing tale. Oh, it's that time of day. Tune in and hear what the ladies say. It's time to bend your ear when the silver screen appears. Stories about the stage and screen and everything in between. So come on and join the fun. The curtain opens in three, two, one. Stories and scandal water. It's where you need to be. Stories and scandal water. Let's pour you a cup of tea. Morning, Ashley. Good morning, Candy. Love is in the air. Love is in the air. And you know what? This is the film that made me choose. That, that theme. Oh, yes, because you're the one who named our February theme. Yes. How did this film return to me, guys? Yes. How did that lead you to that title? Well, it's because the wind plays such an important part mm-hmm. in this film. And uh, also thinking back to the first film that we covered, French Kiss, they get on a plane. Mm-hmm. So they meet in the, air, in the air. And then with the Princess Bride, love was literally in the air <laughs> yes. for everybody there. And a little teaser, next week also involves a plane so I thought love is in the air I love that you mm-hmm. hadn't told me that already yeah, so yeah I did have a to reason too. yeah well how I like those patterns that's cool you know I love a good pattern <laughs> as we have already said now return to me is the topic for today's episode Ashley is the one who brought this to the table. In yes. fact, I had never seen it. Oh my gosh. Never seen it. I, I enjoyed have, it though. I have seen it so much that I wore out my first DVD. It broke. <laughs> and then it was so well known that I loved this movie that when my DVD broke, two of my friends independently of each other got me this movie for oh my, my birthday. The same the same birthday. So they both gave me a copy. Well, recognizing that we're gonna wax poetic yes. as we go along and yes. not you know, don't don't give it all away right now, mm-hmm. but just give us the brief summary of why you love this movie so much. Oh, okay. I think that it is so incredibly well written. Mm-hmm. And I think it tells a truthful, authentic story without being saccharine and without being campy or corny. It's just real and you feel like you know these people and I just, I love it for that reason. Like it just feels like a real slice of life, like a Frank Capra film. Ah, nice. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm going to say coming into this, not having seen it and recognizing, but it's almost 25 years old. Yeah, came out in 2000. Right. Mm -hmm. I didn't really know what to expect, but I really enjoyed it. And since this is the month where we celebrate relationships Mm -hmm. and love. I'm going to recommend that if you guys have not seen it either, you can watch it for free if you have Amazon Prime. They have free V. Yes. And you can go watch it for free. And I highly recommend you do that because it is a delightful movie. It's so sweet. Yes. Well, Let's go ahead and start talking about it, mm-hmm. and I'll give a little bit of background. You know so much. I do. You keep chiming okay. in. You just ju- we'll just make this very interactive the whole time, right. and but then obviously we're going to get to where we just jump right in to analyze the movie anyway. <laughs> okay, so the IMDb summary says Bob Ruland, a Chicago building contractor, cherishes life with his veterinarian wife until she is tragically killed in an automobile accident. Meanwhile, the family and friends of Grace Briggs, a waitress at a local Italian Irish restaurant 
restaurant are overjoyed when they learn that Grace will finally get a replacement heart, which turns out to be the heart of Bob's wife. Yes. Both Bob and Grace struggle to maintain normal lives after these traumatic events until fate intervenes and brings them together. Yes. Yes. This, again, came out in 2000. It was a PG-rated movie. Mm -hmm. MGM was the studio, and it was set in Chicago. Now, I started researching this and Mm -hmm. came upon... I love it when these little serendipitous things pop up. Did you know... That last November, when Meg Ryan and David Duchovny, David Duchovny is the star of Return to Me, by the way. Yes, yes. When they were on the Kelly Clarkson talk show plugging the new rom-com that was coming out, remember, we were talking about Meg Ryan. We were. Yes, yes, yes. Last time we recorded, Kelly commented about how the two of them did rom-coms, to which David responded, no, I don't. Meg does rom-coms. Yeah. I don't do rom-coms. And it was the cutest thing because Kelly told him, oh, yes, he definitely did do rom-coms because he was in one of her very favorites, Return Return to Me. me. Loved that. Well, here's the second fortuitous thing. But Mm -hmm. first, I have to give you just a little bit of background in case you're not familiar with the movie. Minnie Driver was the female lead Mm -hmm. of this rom-com. And by the way, she was born in England, but she started working in America in the early 1990s. And by the time this film came along, she already had received quite a bit of acclaim for her role in Circle of Friends, 1995, and her Academy Award-nominated performance in Good Will Hunting, which was 1997. And then that same year, she was also in the satirical comedy Gross Point Blank yes starring opposite John Cusack by the time she was in Return to Me Minnie Driver was kind of a big thing gotcha well, here's what I thought was really cool. For its 20th anniversary, which came along, of course, in 2020, we were in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah. Vulture decided that the author of this article for Vulture said, I'm tired of all this negative stuff. Yeah. I want to do something happy. Yeah. I'm going to interview Minnie Driver oh. about this movie Return that to the me. author happened to love. Oh. And so... I'm going to sprinkle in some quotes oh, good. straight from Minnie Driver herself, who was reflecting back on this experience, which she said was delightful. Oh, I love it. At the it. time she was filming, she said she was 29 years old, incredibly happy. She said she was struggling a bit with this new fame, but she had just bought a house. She was engaged to Josh Brolin at the time, although they never actually ended up getting married. Mm. And she said she remembered feeling super free and so fortunate to mm. be in a business she loved. One of the things that the author of this article asked her was what's the first thing that comes to mind when you think about filming Return to Me and here's what she said Chicago in the summer which I know if anyone who lives there it's super intense and so insanely hot but for essentially a tourist I had a bike and I'd ride all over the city Mm. I made more friends shooting that movie people who were my neighbors people in the park at the zoo which I'd visit every day because I'd go hang out on my days off I swear to God in the great ape house the keeper there would let me go in and hang out. The great apes would spit water on me and the chimpanzees <laughs> would scream at me. I loved it. But that movie is Chicago to me. Aww. That beautiful city being by the lake. I was so happy. I'd ride my bike to set and we had these amazing thunderstorms. I remember just sitting by Carol O'Connor and, and Robert Loja and asking questions about their lives and movies and the theater. I just sit and listen at their feet. Oh, it I love was it. epic. I love it. I knew you would. I do. I knew I do. you would. I just do. She had so many things there uh-huh. that I thought were significant. The setting, 
Mm-hmm. She called out how really important it was that this mm-hmm. was said in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And that's something we'll come back to here in just a second, because that ties us directly to Bonnie Hunt. Yes. Yeah. But the other thing is, she leads us into this next piece as well, because the cast, the casting of this movie was unbelievable. It's, it's absolutely perfect. Let's talk just about David and Minnie. Okay. okay. Tell me what your thoughts were about these two being cast as the two leads. Well, they're very unexpected, because mm-hmm. it's not Meg Ryan. It's not Julia Roberts. It's not the person that you would expect to be in the rom-com and I don't remember who our who our males would have been back then like Tom Hanks or or whomever it's mm-hmm. just these two people that, mm-hmm. but they interact so well they're so sweet and innocent and it just is so believable you mm-hmm. believe that they you watch them fall in love and you fall in love with them falling in love because I've seen this film so many times like I literally watched it a, a month ago mm-hmm. with a, a friend of mine Lizzie I introduced her to it it was her first time seeing it so Lizzie and my mom and I we all watched it like this is my favorite film this has inspired me more in my life than any other film but anyway we were watching it and it's just so precious mm-hmm. and so when I was prepping for this instead of just watching re-watching it again I listened to the director's commentary so I wanted to get some insight and the people commentating were Bonnie Hunt and Don Lake who were the co-writers and Bonnie mm-hmm. also obviously directed and was one of the stars she was amazing she was amazing mm-hmm. and she talked specifically about the scene in in the courtyard where they're covering the plants. And she said that scene is the scene that every man on the crew fell in love with Grace and Mm -hmm. every woman on the crew fell in love with Bob, the characters, because it was just (laughs) so precious. It absolutely was. And I'm going to say David Duchovny, at the time this was being made, he was just at the point where he was kind of trying to ease out of the X-Files, but he was super popular. And if you think about it, his persona, he was very, very popular, but people knew him Mm -hmm. as Mulder. Mm -hmm. And he was kind of the smart aleck. Mm-hmm. This was not his type not at, at all. all. And he did such a beautiful job. In fact, the writers and David both did such an amazing job because the way they developed him, I think from the very beginning as a loyal husband, yes. he was so loyal to his wife, which yes. in, you love that. Yes. That's what you want. You want somebody who's deeply loyal and in love with the person they have committed to. Yes. And he's devastated when he loses her. Y- you can tell he's kind to the people around him even you know the kids who help him out the mm-hmm. guy who delivers his food and whatever and he's also lovable to his dog I mean Mel, pets pets yeah. mean a lot they do yes so they've made him such a really wonderful guy so sympathetic because he's devastated when he loses Elizabeth and then they bring him in with grace and you are just 100% for him I was so impressed with David Duchovny because I had a little crush on him <laughs> back when he was on the, the X-Files. X-Files he's so sincere mm-hmm. he's just so sincere and guy and he just feels so much and you Mm -hmm. don't have that type of you know you're right we usually do have the leading man that's more snarky or sarcastic Mm -hmm. or something like that and it's so refreshing to have this sweet kind man Mm -hmm. or and it's not an alpha male not he's he's just normal and kind he is yes the author of this vulture article asked Minnie Driver what was it like working with him here's what she said David Duchovny is one of the smartest he's exactly as you would imagine he's as Funny and smart as he is handsome and charming. And he just had his little baby, West. And Taya Leone brought the baby to the set and they hung out. He's just the great best friend you'd want to hang out with on a set to shoot the breeze with. Oh, that's good. So they had a good time together. And I think that shows. They seem to just really like each other. Yes. And then then moving to Minnie, radiant. Just absolutely radiant in her appearance, Mm -hmm. in her personality. Mm -hmm. 
she, you want to hang out with her. You want the best for her. So mm -hmm. I was trying to think like, what is the difference between Meg and French Kiss and Minnie in this? Like Meg, we talked about how you just look at Meg. You're like, oh, she's so cute. I just, I just love her so much. But with Minnie, it's just like you have this, the way she's portraying this character, you care for her. Yes. You want the best for her. You're like, I want your life to go so well. I want everything to work out for you. I want you to be okay. And like, you just want to hug her and take care of her. That's what I felt And I think part of it is because Meg Ryan, I mean, who did not love Meg Ryan? She was was the queen of Mm rom-coms, but she was always neurotic. (laughs) She was always Mm -hmm. anxious and Mm -hmm. you you kind of felt anxiety for her. Uh Grace was the most even-keeled, long-suffering woman. She had been through so many things and then she, she was just caring and kind and gracious and just easygoing. You just couldn't help love her and part of that I think is because they showed you how everybody around her loved her she was the most beloved character by friends by neighbors by people in the restaurant by Mm -hmm. her grandfather Mm -hmm. everybody loved her Mm -hmm. and I think that helps to develop her character it did but I'm I'm jumping around in my notes because since we've brought this up another thing they asked Minnie was they said here's the question in the early scenes of Return to Me you're playing a woman on the verge of death Mm -hmm. at one point your eyes are taped shut for surgery and you're in a coma what was that like to film she said I remember just being really hungry and everyone was making jokes that I was going to be the healthiest looking corpse ever (laughs) gosh (laughs) to be honest I'd spoken to so many people at that point who'd really been at death's door requiring an organ transplant and it was quite we did the scene or very early on it might have been the very first stuff we shot which was good to get it out of the way yeah Basically, I think what she was saying there, she kind of jumped, but she was saying that it actually was kind of emotional to her. But she goes on, this is to the point we were just making, because the film is so full of life, but we wanted the stakes to be high Mm -hmm. so that you didn't feel so incredibly bad about Jolie Richardson's death that you didn't enjoy the rest of the movie. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It was a really tricky line that Bonnie walked with that. Yes, it is. And I think that goes to your point. They had to show her in the beginning Mm -hmm. going through such trauma and suffering otherwise how would we be able to get past the tragic loss of Elizabeth right and right and, and root for her and right root for her I have a couple of notes from the director's commentary on that mm-hmm. so one of the things is this I did not know or remember but there is and you would have to watch this film uh it's a very brief little shot there's a young man who shakes Bob's hand at the fundraiser and that young man was a heart transplant recipient himself <gasps> oh. at the time of filming he was 25 years old and he was four years out from his transplant and he stayed on the set and was an inspiration to all of them. I love that. Yeah. And also this film is full of Bonnie's and Dawn's family. (laughs) And so her brother was, and I think she, I may get some of the details wrong because I was just taking notes as I was listening, but I think she said he was an ER nurse and he watched those scenes on a monitor out in the hallway to make sure that they were technically accurate. Yes. Her brother, I saw a note that, that piggybacked on that. It said that because he was working at Michael Reese Hospital in Chicago. He arranged for the hospital to be used as a setting in the film. Mm, oh, that's nice. And they did it at like 2.30 in the morning, which I would assume is when it's the <laughs> yes, least busy. Yes. Yeah. Nice couple more things for you. You mentioned John Cusack, the elderly man with the big thick glasses. They talk about the sizable donation. Oh, the funny one. The funny, funny older gentleman. That's John Cusack's father. 
is it really? Yes, and she knew him from her time in Chicago. So he, he is in the film. I love that. And I thought it was so clever that they introduce him early on, that nice little humor in the opening scene. And then he comes and then back at the end. And you have the callback yes, to it yes, at yes, the yes, end. Yes. So smart. So smart. So since we've already been talking about Bonnie, let's go ahead and address her a little more thoroughly. Yes. Obviously MVP of this film. Oh my You've gosh. You've already said she also co-wrote the script along with Don Lake. And that actually came from the story on which she was one of the four collaborators. Okay, yes. Yeah. Now, in directing the film, this was actually her first time directing a feature film. I know. And I can't believe she decided she was going to go ahead and be the bestie, like the protagonist's best friend. I know, I know. Friend. But she was so good. Yes. So good playing Megan. That, she was. Yeah. And Megan is, we'll come back to this in a second, but she is a mother to this little brood of children <laughs> and married to a very funny, I funny, love it. I love their man. relationship. Yes. I do too. But Mini Driver said this about Bonnie's direction. I have such intense memories from that movie because it was such an incredibly happy time. It was so unusual to have a female filmmaker who wrote and directed it in 2000. Mm-hmm. We're alone long ways away from that being kind of the norm. Mm-hmm. Bonnie is a triple threat, a great actress, a great writer, a great director. Plus, she's an epic improviser. Anything that wasn't working, if you didn't have an idea that worked, she'd have one. Mm-hmm. And she's from Chicago. There was so much ease about what I imagine was a very pressured situation for her. It was literally her baby, a big movie-ish at the time, MGM, and it was a big deal. I loved watching her enjoy it. Even though I know she got very stressed at times, like all directors do, she knew what the film was that she wanted to make. I know. I admire that so much about her. And it inspires me to like stick to what your vision of the story is mm-hmm. and fight for that vision of the story. And also that you can do it all mm-hmm. because you can be in it and direct it. And, and if that if you think that this is the best, if you're, I don't even know how to say it. Like if you know how the character needs to be played, you know this is what you need to do, then do it's it. Okay. It's, it's okay. It's okay to do it. it. It's okay to do it. Yeah, that phrasing. It's your, it is her baby. It was yeah. her baby. Yeah. She knew how she wanted that to be done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Going back to what you said a moment ago, it was a family affair for her. Like this was, it was so personal. In addition to the examples you've already given us, Bonnie's sister Mary appears as the uncredited woman lighting a candle in the Mm -hmm. church when the grandpa goes to pray. Mm -hmm. One of the bicycle boys who challenges Grace to a race is Bonnie's nephew, Ross. The other one is Don's son. They said that in the credits. Or in the commentary. And Bonnie's mother, Alice, is one of the customers sitting in the restaurant. She had her family all over this Oh, yeah. There was, in the commentary, if you watch it, she says, once I mention one family member, I have to mention them all or there'll be (laughs) trouble at the reunion. But there is tons. And if you watch the credits, there is uh, Don, I think they said Don's wife was in it. They're just, it was covered in family. Bring them all in here. Yeah. Yes, I love that. So to quickly go through the rest of the cast members, although I feel like we're doing them a disservice because this was an amazing cast. Yeah, it was. Jolie Richardson played Bob's lovely wife, Elizabeth, who we lose very early mm-hmm. in the movie. So it was a small but very significant role. David Allen Greer plays her friend and co-worker, Charlie, who then moves into the role of the supportive buddy mm-hmm. to Bob after yeah. after Elizabeth's gone. Carol O'Connor. It was oh, his last role, I do believe. It was. Yes, he filmed this in 2000. Well, it came out in 2000 and he 
died in 2001 at the age of 76. Really? Mm -hmm. I didn't realize it was that soon. He was so good. He was so, so, Mm -hmm. so good. We've already said that Robert Loja was in it. He played Uncle Angelo, who was right in the thick of everything. (laughs) And going back to Bonnie, she played Megan, and the role of her husband, Joe, was originally offered to John Favreau. But he turned it down because he didn't want to play a supporting character, and that's when Jim Belushi accepted it. And of course, I think he was perfect for the part. He was absolutely perfect. He needed to be that. He, he needed does. to be Joe. He did. He was so good. I loved him so much. I did too. Well, oh, I forgot to tell you. Moving back, David Duchovny was not the first choice for Bob. Who was? George Clooney. Really? Yes. I think I think David Duchovny David's was the it. right person too. He's absolutely. It. George would have been too debonair. And not to say that David's not, but he needed that everyman, the Jimmy mm-hmm. Stewart everyman quality. Yes. And George would have been too much like a Cary Grant kind of thing, you know? Yes. 100%. You got the right people. Well, I want to hit one more thing and then we'll take a break and we'll come back and we'll give our own little analysis of the movie. Mm-hmm. But this, I thought, was another really cool thing obviously a lot of the movie takes place in the restaurant owned by her grandfather O'Reilly's restaurant they decided to use a Chicago landmark it was an eatery known as the twin anchors as the place you know as their as their location Mm -hmm. to represent this restaurant I happened to stumble across the website (gasps) really for twin anchors and they have a whole little page talking about the movie I love it I abridged it just slightly because it was a little long, but Ashley, I'm going to ask you to read. Okay. This is straight from the restaurant website. In 1999, Twin Anchors was thrilled to be a part of the major motion picture Return to Me. Bonnie Hunt, a longtime customer, directed and co-wrote this film. She wanted a quaint neighborhood place that could become O'Reilly's Italian restaurant in the movie. And so Twin Anchors was transformed. Filming lasted five weeks. Shooting would go from Monday through Thursday for 12 hours or more each day. After Thursday's wrap, the crew would remove all traces of O'Reilly's and amazingly bring twin anchors back to life for weekend business. On many days, one could find the cast lounging on director's chairs on the street. Carol O'Connor was known to give a few hugs to friendly fans now and then. Mm -hmm. David Duchovny and Robert Loja relaxed by playing softball with cast members and neighborhood children at LaSalle School across the street. Our old town neighbors were surprised to see a building facade constructed out onto Eugenia Street to create the illusion that O'Reilly's was located in the middle of a city block. Of course, what do most women want to know? Where did David Duchovny sit in the scene where he first met Minnie Driver? The answer? Booth 5. So you guys, there you go. Go to Booth 5. It was really an honor to be associated with such a fine, sweet, romantic comedy that seems to have found a unique cult following. Even now, patrons constantly ask about the movie and take pictures of the restaurant because of Return to Me. Thanks, Bonnie. Was that not just the sweetest? I love it. I love it so much. I love all the behind the scenes from a film anyway. Mm -hmm. But when you're looking up a movie that's almost 25 years old, you don't get some of those insights. Yeah. The fact that the place where this movie was primarily filmed is real real and has all these lovely memories that they shared in that way. I just thought that was fantastic. I still feel like the emotion that you feel when you create something, I think it just permeates the project with French Kiss and with this. The two that that I chose, I feel like there was so much, and things that I've read have said, that there was so much joy when Mm -hmm. they made it, and that feeling like seeped on to the actual celluloid, and it just radiates joy back out to me, the the viewer. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's just an exchange of joy. Well, and I think that speaks to the comment they made in this write-up, the fact that 
it wasn't huge in the box office. Mm -hmm. But even all these years later, it has this, not huge, but this very loyal cult Cult. following. Absolutely. I am in it. I am in it. Well, I mean, when two friends independently buy you a new (laughs) new copy of the movie because (laughs) yours has been destroyed. Yes. I think that says something. It does. Well, let's stop there. Okay. Take a break and we'll come back to talk more about our impressions of the movie. Absolutely. One of the films on my shortlist for consideration this month was Serendipity with John Cusack and Kate Beckinsale. But this sparked an idea for our bonus mini-sode for February. Were there any chance moments that literally changed the very course of mine or Candy's life? It turns out there were. If you'd like to hear our stories of chance encounters leading to happily ever after for me, or in my case, what turned out to be my life's work for the last decade, visit www.buymeacoffee.com slash scandalwaterpod and become a member so you can hear all the tea. Cheers! All right, we're back to talk more about the movie, of Mm -hmm. course. We both took copious notes. Yes. So I thought we could just go back and forth and just share some of the things that struck us. Do you want to start? Would you rather I jump in Oh, you go first, because I got to see where you're going first. One of the things that that struck me, I think, was how they used music. Mm. So many Mm -hmm. different times Mm -hmm. you had the juxtaposition of the music against what was happening in the scene, and it was so intentional. For example, even in the very opening, you have this really romantic song playing and you're starting with this you know establishing shot of the city and we zoom into a construction site and that's not what you would expect nope or oh my goodness oh my goodness it was so moving and powerful the way they did it when they had this romantic song playing at the fundraiser yes and david and elizabeth start to dance and as that music continues to play we go through Yes, I've got I've got notes on both of those things for you. Okay, do you want to say them now? Do you want to go yes, ahead? Yes, because go as we're as we're talking, I'm going to give you my impressions of it, and then what I heard on the director's okay. commentary. Okay. So Dean Martin plays a lot. Yes, he does in this film. I and, noticed that, and he has a lot of personal meaning to Bonnie. Her parents, her dad, especially, like play Dean a lot. That from the commentary, it says that that is his original vocals, but they redid the background recording and the helicopter thing. It was actually shot at like uh, what. It's on 6 a.m. on Saturday, but it's supposed to be rush hour in Chicago. But if you notice, there's nothing on the streets. Right. But it was all done in one take, that whole helicopter oh, thing. Nice. And they said all those construction workers were just, just walking on those beams like it was nothing. But I thought that was cool. Yeah. Oh, another thing that I w- found satisfying is she comments that she coordinates the symbol crash to hit when Bob jumps off the ladder in that opening scene. And see, that's the kind of stuff I yes, love to do. Those little details. Those little bitty details. matter. Like you may not register them cognitively. But it makes it satisfying. Yes. Yes. So, okay, on the hospital, on the, the dance. So when Jolie and David are dancing as Elizabeth and Bob Ruland, Bonnie told her cinematographer, can you just follow them? Because she mm. just wanted it to be so natural. And mm-hmm. David listened to the new arrangement so that he would know it and be able to mouth it like he was singing to her. And mm. the, the cinematographer said, yes, I'll just follow them. She said that it was a conversation with the studio. They wanted her to film a car accident scene. Really? So, yes, they did. Because they, they just wanted that in it. And she stuck to her guns and said no I want the audience to be as shocked as Bob Ruland is mm-hmm. and she thought it was so much more impactful and the way that it affected my storytelling is the first film that we made No Lost Cause we decided not to to film the car accident scene that affects our main character because 
that of inspired what you. it did and inspired mm-hmm. me. And that was in 2011. So it had been 11 years since that movie had come out. I'd probably seen it, oh, a thousand times at that yes, point. Yes. But it was just like, oh yeah, you're right. You don't have to show it. And it is so much more emotionally impactful to see them so happy and in love and singing to each other. And then you have this. And then they're rushing in. Yes. And all of a sudden, it's the most jarring. Yes. You still had the song playing, if I recall correctly. But now it's the noise of mm-hmm. everybody yelling and he's got a bloody shirt. Um, yes. His, his, right. It's just his white shirt with blood all over it. The jacket is gone. They're wheeling her cart. Everybody's yes. frantic. And he's not allowed to go with her. And then yeah. the echo of that song, Solo to Me Amor, translates to Only You My Love or mm. possibly You're My Only Love, which both work in this situation. And the sequence goes on because we move to grace. Yes. And I mean, this whole sequence, yes. we and it was just powerful in this one song and this one sequence we have them in love everything is amazing her life is ending and by the end of this we have flipped places yeah elizabeth is gone bob is devastated at his loss yeah but grace that sequence ends with the beating of the heart yes her life has started i noticed again a little editing note they didn't make this comment on the commentary but when the transplant is complete and her heart begins to beat his eyes open bob Mm. is grieving he's Mm -hmm. laying there and he's crying but his eyes open as soon as elizabeth's heart starts to beat inside of grace and bonnie again on the commentary said that she and david talked about it and they decided that bob was the kind of person who would not break down until he was completely alone Mm -hmm. so when charlie is there and they're talking together they said he would just kind of be that numb but he would not let himself feel his feelings until it's all gone Mm -hmm. and going back up for just a second she said that she was also really glad that she stuck to her guns and took the time to set up Bob and Elizabeth dancing and having a romantic moment as a married couple because the studios don't always allow that. They want Mm -hmm. you to cut, cut, cut. And it reminded her of old time movies. So she really wanted that. And she and Dawn talked about something that they like to do is add these little bitty details of married life where David is like, he's using the hairdryer to dry his pant legs and they just are talking and he takes the hairdryer and like blasts it on her. They're just such a little Mm -hmm. slice of life. Like this is a normal couple. They're happy and then this Mm -hmm. thing happens. So I'm jumping ahead in my notes, but I I think it fits. It made me think about as the the relationship goes on to start to develop between Grace and Bob, it made me think of Sleepless in Seattle Mm. because part of the allure of the Tom Hanks character was his incredible devotion and loyalty to To his his wife. wife. And you knew what an amazing man he was, partly through how he treated the people in the relationships with him. And that was, it was reminiscent to me. This this made me think of little pieces of their interactions and their relationship, same. You know, it just just mirrored a little bit. Now let me talk a little bit about admiration I have for the writing and the setup. Mm -hmm. So in the film, when Elizabeth and Charlie, her friend, they're leaving. She's getting ready to go to the fundraiser Mm -hmm. you hear the first rumble of thunder Mm -hmm. as they're exiting Mm -hmm. so there's just like a little hint of here's something that's going to come we don't know why they got in a car accident but it has something to probably do with the weather i like how they set up that the dog won't eat until his mom comes home Mm -hmm. sets up his devotion so well Mm -hmm. i love that when okay let me say the fundraiser for a second when the snobby couple is talking to elizabeth it's a way for them to do exposition which they did talk about in the commentary Mm -hmm. to say we're gonna go to italy one day so she's able to promise yes i have that in my notes too. she's able to promise her husband he promises i will finish this this enclosure 
for the gorilla and if you'll go to Italy and they make this promise to each other and it's just so a natural way to set that up and in the hospital the exposition that gets set up is Grace is talking to Megan and Megan reminds her of all the things that she wants to do when she gets her new heart like riding a bike traveling in Europe Mm -hmm. meeting dating handsome men you know all this stuff that she's gonna get to do so that was just such beautiful writing and beautiful setup and can I just pop in to say Mm -hmm. it's predictable it I mean like you know from the very beginning this is coming but that's part of what then makes it so satisfying like that Mm -hmm. is good writing like they set it up you couldn't miss it but yet it still felt so natural and you were then we have to get them to Italy yes Yes. like it 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 actually made you invested Mm -hmm. in that happening it wasn't I don't know how to say this sometimes predictable is almost like a bad word no in this case it it led to satisfaction it did lead to satisfaction and one thing she talks about a little bit later and I don't know if I'm jumping ahead of you but I don't want to I don't want to miss this before we leave Elizabeth because she is so short in the film but Bonnie says that she chose at the end of that montage to have that beautiful image of Elizabeth and then to do a very wide overshot of Grace in the courtyard because it was almost like there was this higher power higher presence that was going to now be moving the chess pieces Mm -hmm. so that Grace and Bob could find their way back Mm -hmm. to each other yeah in fact I don't know if I noticed that particular camera shot but I did notice that idea of Elizabeth being there through what you've already mentioned Mm -hmm. the wind Mm -hmm. that one moment when Minnie Driver's character Grace is like looking at her scars on her chest yes and and the wind picks up wind yes I I wrote it in my notes I'm like there's there's Elizabeth there's there's her presence and then of course it comes back later Mm -hmm. I'm sure we'll get that's what she yes she says that later she says that when she's doing that that they did have that and and they were kind of like you can choose you can choose if it's Elizabeth if it's God doing this but it's something is moving them together Mm -hmm. and it's sort of a force yes some force it's a mix of the two and when the wind kicks up she has to go cover the plants which is when she interacts with Bob and that's what starts to change her life yes Yes, those oh, those touches. They I know mm, they're so good. They're so good. Well, something else that I really enjoyed was the humor. <laughs> I felt that in in some ways, I I think I give too much credit to Bonnie. I, I keep forgetting Don Lake. Yeah, he's yeah. in there too. I don't want to steal from uh, yeah. you know credit from him. Yes, but I do think that there was some sharp writing. You've already mentioned in the way that they set up their plot and the way they mm-hmm. moved events forward. Mm-hmm. I think it was also in the dialogue and the banter mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. just the wittiness. It was very witty. Yes, they and they gave humor in so many different ways. Like like we said, that little touch of the the older man at the fundraiser. You, you know, you had things like that. You had humor in the little group of old fellas yes, in the restaurant. They wanted her to cut them too. The studio wanted her to cut them. They were that's that's what I have in here. They said, you know, let's get to, let's just get to it, get to the good part. But she said it's so important to build the characters and set the world in the beginning to take your time because sometimes after viewing it once people typically want to get to good part but I'm like just fast forward if you mm-hmm. want to get to the good part just go to the part you want but you need that setup and the studio was like just cut the old men and but she's like no we have to spend time with the men to understand Grace's world and to build yes and to build her character yeah. because as I already said part of what helps you to understand how incredibly loved and lovable mm-hmm. she is is because of these people around her who talk about her and treat her in this way Mm -hmm. and you then love them too 
You do. Yes. I loved I loved her little world. It was such an old fashioned world, but it was a it was a good world, you know. It was what they established for us is in addition to what we've already said is the importance of family. Mm-hmm. She was family was so important to her. You had the family with Megan and Joe and the kids. You felt like Grace was part of Megan and Joe's family. Yes. They even though they were friends. She calls them her surrogate parents. Yes. I mean everybody it was just a very family oriented. We all care about each other kind of environment. Yeah, I guess that's one of the things I love about Bonnie as a filmmaker is her family is all over this. Mm-hmm. The family is in it. She named her production company Bob and Alice Productions because that was a saying <laughs> that her, her parents used to tell her is that you are a Bob and Alice production. The kids. So she named her projects <laughs> after that. And she put so much of her dad in this. I mean, the main character's name is Bob and that was her dad's name. Mm-hmm. She said in the commentary that her own dad died when she was 18. It was really sudden. And she said, when he was gone it was so quiet that you could hear the wind Mm -hmm. so that's another reason that she added the sound effect of wind when David was alone in that house and why she used I think why she used the wind Mm -hmm. to represent the presence I like that something else that I enjoyed we said we've mentioned the dog Mel yeah I don't know if we've said a lot about Sydney I think they very intentionally used animals and relationships Mm -hmm. with animals Mm -hmm. and the love that you feel the the bond between your pet and yourself you know that that was something that was very important in this film in fact you know we had the scene where Elizabeth is she's fighting to get a better habitat for Sydney you can tell she deeply cares about and loves Sydney she's the one that taught him sign language yes he loves her too they have that thing where they touch their Mm -hmm. hands to each other Bob he's not only going to fulfill his promise he cares about Sydney himself Mm -hmm. he goes and he talks to Mm Sydney at one point it's something important and it was so symbolic when Grace goes into that exhibit and he puts his hand up like he recognized her presence too the same way he did with Elizabeth I loved that too such wonderful little touches like that they make a difference and when he was on the floor with his dog after saying she's Mm -hmm. not coming home Mel I mean that just breaks your heart absolutely you know I'm glancing back at my notes and I see something that relates to a point we were making just a minute ago I think the fact that they kept the older friends and family members in this movie actually helped to develop that idea of intergenerational love like it was like it was Mm -hmm. part of the charm Mm -hmm. because it was a little bit of that idea of throwback to older movies and older songs we had a lot of the fellows would be arguing about who was the best crooner who was the, the best singer and we would be talking about Dean Martin or Frank Sinatra or some of these older artists and so I think it really gave you the feel of life and the continuation of life and continuity and intergenerational Mm -hmm. it was just kind of this it was broader than just two people falling in love right I have I know we are getting close to needing to wrap up and I have I have pages I just have pages of notes on this because it means so much to me personally it influenced me as a, a, a not a very obviously prominent filmmaker but you know I've done some films it has inspired me and one of the things that she talked about and just hearing her philosophy is it's like yes yes and I didn't even know that about her but it's like that's another reason why I love you so much as a storyteller is that she said that she gave the actors the direction I don't want to hear the lines I don't want to hear the writing I just want to hear the character Mm -hmm. say it the way that your character would say it and and how she loves scenes with lots of people because Mm -hmm. it just 
has that feeling. But I have to say, if if there's one moment that just gets me, it's the relationship with Grandpa and Gracie and how much he loves her. Mm-hmm. And at the end, I don't even know if I'll be able to say it, but the line that he tells Bob after they've had their fall, it's not even a falling out, but the misunderstanding. And I don't want to give away all the plot points because it's so beautiful and you need to feel it yourself. But when he says, when I prayed for the heart that Gracie would get, I knew the heart that she got would have to be from a very special person if it was going to be at home in Grace. Mm. When she met you, her heart beat for the first time. Perhaps it was meant to be with you always. I mean, that just... Whew. I wrote down that just taking my notes, seeing this film for the first time, I have that same shoot. That I mean, I've seen it hundreds and hundreds just, and it still gets me. And one thing that I did not realize is another line that grandpa has is what he says to Bob is that, well, I can't, I can't find it in my notes, so I'm going to get the, the phrasing incorrect, but he says to Bob that it is the character that's the strongest that God gives the greatest battles to. Mm. And that is something that Bonnie's father used to say to oh. her. <laughs> and she said, even though he's been gone for so long, I love that his philosophy could still be a part of this film. I love that. You know, speaking of those great lines in that same exchange, I think that's when David Duchovny as Bob says something lovely about how he misses Elizabeth and I know. will always miss Elizabeth, but he aches, aches for, for grace. grace. And I was just like, oh, what a beautiful line. Yeah. What a beautiful line. And of course, all of that leads us to what we all wanted. She ends up going to Italy. Mm-hmm. Without grandpa, she has to go by herself because Mm -hmm. of the way circumstances work out. And it's just so magical because you see her, first it's heartbreaking because she is in the place she has always Mm -hmm. dreamed to go. And yet she is alone and she's laying Mm -hmm. there and she looks like she's the most isolated Mm -hmm. and unhappy. We Mm -hmm. have seen her through the entire film. Yeah. Yeah. And then he shows up when he comes in and the woman beside her says, your love. To a more Yes. I know. I know. It's so romantic. Romantic. <laughs> and she said in the commentary that that scene up the alleyway where you see all the laundry and over to her, she dreamt that shot before they even got clearance. <laughs> to do the film so it's just like that had to be so full circle for her and she said also that one of the nuns rings the little bell on the bicycle and what she says in Italian is every time a bell rings an angel gets its wings because that was Bonnie's way to give a nod to Frank Capra who inspired her and it's just so cool it's a to wonderful me life. yes yes and just the Frank Capra in general as a mm-hmm. filmmaker but to think Frank Capra inspired her and the ripple effect of what she inspired me in filmmaking while I'm not known like the two of them are but it's still you have a ripple effect Mm -hmm. and I just I've never wanted anyone to be more successful than I wished success for her this is the only film that she's had a chance to make I don't know why I don't want know what life it was her choice or if it was just circumstance but wow she is such a beautiful filmmaker that has the talent of the Frank Capras and I'm like why aren't you guys financing whatever she wants to do I've co-written two plays with my mom and if I had to pick a filmmaker that like I want to turn my screen my plays into a movie her I'd give them to her like I know you would know how to treat them Mm -hmm. that's Mm -hmm. the best gift that I can give like this is a piece of 
my heart and my mom's heart. And Mm -hmm. I want you to have it because I trust you with this piece of my soul. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's quite a compliment. It is. (laughs) It's the highest compliment. But I see where you're coming from because I obviously don't have the background with her that you did. This is my first time seeing this movie. I know Bonnie Hunt from different works that she's done. Yeah. But I came out of this with a great respect for her. Mm -hmm. I, in my mind, compared her a little bit with Nora Ephron. Yeah. And I also appreciated, I, I was thinking to myself, I think we've armchaired all the way through the second we half. Have. So we have. we've already been doing it. But I, when I was thinking about what would an armchair question be, I, I thought, well, what did inspire this movie to have a mini cult following? You know, mm-hmm. what is it that makes this one so special? And the answer I came up with in my mind, or one of the factors, is the fact that it's a celebration of love all the way through. It breaks the rom-com formula in that you had no divorce couples, no bitter couples yeah. or estranged couples, yeah. no bitter friends, nope. no estrangement from parents. Nope. Every single couple in this entire movie that I can think of had loving relationships. Yeah. Their relationships might look a little different. Yeah, yeah. But that is very different. I, I have a hard time thinking of other rom-coms that could, have that. That Even with say that. Megan and Joe, they would fuss and fight. and But he would, when he kissed her, she would giggle and you could just tell. And at they the were end, deeply in love. If you notice at the end in the in the credits, they're dancing and she's pregnant again. Mm-hmm. So they're just deeply in love. And yes. I, I just love it. I love, I love everything about it. Well, how about we close with one last quote okay. from that Vulture article okay. that I have mentioned several times. They actually referenced Roger Ebert's review from when this movie first came out. He better say good things or I'm... I think you'll be pleased. Okay, good. Here's what he said. Well, this is actually a quote from the article. Sure. Roger Ebert wrote that the film feels straight out of 1955, quote, so innocent, so naive, so sweet and sincere that you must leave your cynicism at the door or choose another movie. But Return to Me does work if you let it, in part due to Hunt's winning combination of earnestness and wry humor. Nice. So my response to him saying that it's like a film from the 1950s, yes and no, I think it's an improvement on a film from the 1950s because back then there were so many censorship things and not like this this film is showing anything that it shouldn't. It's darling, but it's also more realistic. Mm -hmm. The language is more realistic. There's just more realistic relationships and it just feels just real and authentic where back then it's a little more the perfect life, but this Mm -hmm. is the real life. Yeah. Well, since obviously you adore and love this movie, Mm -hmm. who would you like to cheers, Ashley? It has to be Bonnie. It just has to be Bonnie with Don. I mean, Don, you as well, because they wrote it together. And I don't want to forget about Don. Sometimes that happens when mm-hmm. when you have a co-writer and then the other person goes on and directs and is in it, which has happened to me and my mom. Like my mom is a co-writer of mine, but I end up, Rebecca, so I say your name. We've done stuff and I've been the director. But as far as just long-term female filmmaker, I adore her career. I wish the best for her. Mm-hmm. I want her to have a happy, successful, fantastic life. Cheers to Bonnie Hunt. Cheers to you, Bonnie. If you love what we do, please rate and review our show. Or you can become a supporter by making a donation through buymeacoffee.com slash scandalwaterpod. Whether a single gift or a recurring monthly donation, 
It would go a long way towards supporting our work and allowing us to keep the tea brewing. At our website, www.scandalwaterpodcast.com, you can submit questions or your own story ideas, access our sources and show notes, see the merch we offer for sale, and more. You can join the Scandal Water community through our Scandal Water Podcast Facebook page or follow us on Instagram or TikTok at Scandal Water Podcast. This episode was executive produced by Candy Thomas, that's me, and Ashley Raymer Brown, that's me. It was researched and written by Candy Thomas and edited by Ashley Raymer Brown. A special thank you to Josh Martin, who wrote, composed, and performed the Scandal Water theme and other music. Matt C. Adams, who created the artwork, and Joshua Reith, who designed our website and provides ongoing technical support. As a reminder, this podcast is purely for entertainment purposes. The thoughts and opinions of the host during each episode of Scandal Water are their own and do not reflect the opinions of any future guests, advertisers, or clearly professional psychologists. Thanks for listening.